welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. Lord Acton, the 19th century British historian, famously said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Gandhi observed that possession of power makes men blind and deaf. These ideas have even been uh, illustrated in psychological experiments. You look at Zimbardo's 1971 Stanford prison study, which ended up being halted because one group of students who was arbitrarily assigned to be the prison guards began to verbally abuse and denigrate the students who were assigned to the prisoner role. These were just normal students who just because they were put in a powerful position, even in in this uh, the Stanford prison, they ended up abusing their power and they 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 became corrupted in a sense. You could argue that it happened in history to Caligula, Tiberius, Robespierre, Henri Christophe, Hitler, Stalin, Nixon, Mugabe, countless others. Um, even in previous episodes of this very podcast, the idea has come up. You look at uh, the Black Panther Party episodes where how did they start to devolve? Well, they started to abuse their power and they kind of had a thirst for power too that led to their downfall. So their abuse of power, you look at their, their so-called security cadre that was used to bribe Oakland's criminal groups to pay them for the right to continue their criminal activities. So the, the party was, a, the Black Panther Party abused their power by saying, hey, uh, so, so-and-so Oakland criminal group, if you want to be able to continue your criminal activities, you better pay us. So there, there they were abusing their power. And then because of their thirst for power and, and wasting their funds and resources to try to gain political power near, near the end of their run, uh, they, they started to break down. They became corrupted. And contrary to their original ideas of having no desire for power, once they started to seek that political power, they started to break down. They became corrupted. Um, in Ex Machina, the, the episode we touched on early on, uh, Nathan, his power corrupted his vision. And although he was brilliant, he became isolated. He, his views became insular, uh, parochial, myopic. And this prevented him from seeing the flaws in his creation. How many times have we seen the trope of, of power leading to corruption in supervillains? That happens all the time, at least in the movies or in the comic books. But does power really corrupt or is it just a product of the availability heuristic? The availability heuristic is the idea that we make judgments based on how easily something comes to mind. So you look at shark attacks, for example. Shark attack images easily come to mind, so we fear swimming in the ocean. Now, even though statistically it's nearly impossible to be eaten by a shark, let alone bitten, we're still terrified of it uh, and swimming in the ocean because thoughts of thoughts of it are scary and they come easily to mind. So we overestimate the probability of of danger in the waters. Now, this same ability availability heuristic, excuse me, could be taking place with with the with when we think about if, if power causes corruption. It could be the case that we more clearly bring to mind examples of power corrupting leaders rather than power helping leaders. There may be many cases of power helping leaders, but they're not written about and they don't easily come to mind. So we don't think that could even be the case. And just because we can bring it to mind easily doesn't mean the conclusion can be made that power does corrupt. As a matter of fact, Definite examples of corruption by power are quite hard to come by. All this to say that, 
or to ask, does power always corrupt? What are the actual mechanisms by which it does, if it does always corrupt? My preconceptions coming into this episode um, were wrong, as, as they often are. I thought that I'd find conclusive, uh, expansive scholarly discussions of this idea, since the idea that power corrupts is so common. Uh, as always, though, when I go into a study with preconceptions, I find that things are more complex than I initially think. So the primary source that fleshed out some of these complexities was Ricardo Boggs' book, How Power Corrupts, and it seemed to be the most accessible summary that I found on the idea. So I do commend the author for putting it all together. However, there's really hardly anything conclusive in there about whether or not power corrupts. And that kind of disappointed me a little bit. But what we can build an episode on is uh, the indicators of corruption by power, which were laid out well in the book. But first, what Bog really starts off with is he talks about some of these difficulties in proving that power truly does corrupt. And he almost talks more about this than whether or not power really corrupts. And, and it's almost like he's saying these, uh, all of these difficulties, uh, just as a, uh, just almost like as a warning that he's not going to be able to fully flesh out the idea that power corrupts. He, he, he talks a lot about why it's so difficult to prove that power really does corrupt. He says that, if we are to say that an individual is corrupted, we need to establish that they were not corrupt before their promotion, and that significant behavioral change occurred following that promotion. The change of corruption thus requires a reasonable individual to morph into an evil one. It is for this reason, he says, that even Hitler may be a rather poor example of uh, power leading to corruption. He was of dubious sanity long before he gained power. You could, you could point to the Roman Emperor Caligula that we talked about in the intro. He, at first glance, is a classic example of corruption by power. Initially, he was of pleasant character, and he lost his sanity soon after becoming emperor. He then indulged in the arbitrary exercise of power and in cruelty, sadism, extravagance, sexual perversion, and ultimately tyranny. So Caligula power came and then he got corrupted. So he must be a prime example, but it could even be argued that Caligula did not become corrupt until an assassination attempt, actually. So it was actually from that point on that he was so fearful of conspiracy against him that he acted in all these maniacal ways. So his corruption, therefore, could have even existed even if he was not in a powerful position of being emperor. Perhaps then Caligula is not a good example of corruption by power, as given the right trigger, he may have fallen apart regardless. It may not have been power that was the trigger. He himself might have been predisposed to corruption, regardless of if he was emperor or not. So again, this is back to the availability heuristic, where it's easy to come by examples in history of powerful people who become corrupt, since history writes about powerful people, some of whom do become corrupt. But what about the people who have become corrupt without power, who were simply left out of the archives? So history doesn't talk about these people a lot, or the comic books don't talk about, uh, uh, well, perhaps they do in superheroes who have power and don't become corrupt, but it doesn't, it's not as easily, it's not as readily available to our minds, examples of when power actually helps people. 
there may be many other things other than power really that do corrupt an individual. Um, for Caligula, though, we may think it's power because it's, it's very easy to say, oh, soon after he got into power, he became corrupted. But there may have been other factors. It may have just been the paranoia that caused Caligula to do all these maniacal things. So it's, it's really difficult to point to specific examples in history that prove, oh, yeah, power corrupts individuals. You could even look at an even more obvious case for some Robert Mugabe, who was a former revolutionary and a leader and a resistance fighter. What happened to Mugabe? Is it not, is power not, uh, or is corruption not a direct result of, of the power that he had? Um, well, once Mugabe first became president of Zimbabwe, he, he did seem to prove almost that power led to corruption. He morphed into a tyrant who was violent, defensive, isolated, and blind to the suffering of his people. He suffered, he sacrificed everything to retain his position and fought any threats to his control. But to really make the charge against Mugabe that power led to corruption, you would need to do a detailed analysis of Mugabe's behavior prior to his corruption and a careful charting of the charges that occurred due to his elevation of power. And that's the difficulty with saying necessarily that power corrupts. It's not good enough to just point to stories or comic books. Or, uh, how can we know for sure that power is the, is the exact factor that leads to corruption? What about the cases where power is beneficial? Again, it's this availability heuristic in thinking that power corrupts simply because examples where power corrupts are readily available, whereas examples where power purifies are not readily available. Correlation doesn't equal causation. Just because an individual who attained power became corrupted doesn't mean power caused the corruption. Maybe the corruption and the corruption of his ways led to power. You could even point to Trump in that sense. He, there, you could argue that the corruption and what he was doing was enticing, actually, to some, and the drama that it caused, and it actually led him to the presidency. So it could even be the other way around. So clearly it's hard to say that corruption leads to power, but or excuse me, power leads to corruption, but it, it has been researched a little bit scientifically, so... In the book, it does point to some of the research on this. It, it's very uh, sparse, the research and the writings on, on if power leads to corruption. But a couple of researchers did try to tackle the issue. David Kipnis's work showed that when individuals succeeded in influencing others, they quickly viewed others as less worthy than themselves. This was evidenced in the way powerful subjects moved away from their subordinates socially and psychologically. So Kipnis suggested that success in influencing others prompts us to see them as no longer in control of their own behavior and thus to evaluate them unfavorably. So once we gain power, he's done experiments where people are put into powerful positions, all of a sudden they see others as as less worthy than they are just because they're in a higher position. So it almost naturally occurs psychologically. They also soon move away from their subordinates and uh, 
they start to think of themselves in a different category. So something seems to happen psychologically, according to the research. Dacher Keltner and colleagues also showed that high social status creates the perception that subordinates require constant supervision and motivation. Holding power thus provides a self-image filled with pride and a constant series of interactions with subordinates that serves to confirm the effect of one's high status. So the higher you get, the more you interact with people who are below you. And this almost leads to you thinking that the people below you require constant supervision and motivation just because they get supervision and motivation or a lot of the time you now think that they require that just because they're below you so there are some there is some evidence that it does occur in in the research and the the author of the book uh the main source for this episode he kind of synced synthesize all of the all this evidence from the the philosophical works and the scientific works and he kind of created four indicators for corruption by power so what are the four things that signify yes you've been corrupted due to power well the first one is self-inflation so this consists of the powerful individual uh feeling uh, narcissistic or being narcissistic and being arrogant for someone in power their self-confidence grows and they increasingly privilege their own perspective more and more subordination of the public good occurs in favor of one's own psychological needs no longer does it really matter what the public want now it just matters what i want how often do we see leaders where um, you could point to Trump again. I hate bringing him up and, and bringing attention to his name more than there already has been. But you could point to Trump where he seemed to be acting in a self-interested way. He he hardly even cared for the common good in a lot of the things he did, it seems. Um, this self-inflation also creates a, a hardening of your perspective that degenerates eventually in the total inability to learn. So you're it's almost the idea that as a powerful individual it was your decisions that got you into this powerful position so why should i uh, care about other people's opinions who they may only steer me away from this power so you become more closed-minded you and you eventually can't even learn you become your view becomes so parochial so sell you become so self-interested that you don't even really pay any attention to other opinions because you have this self-inflation and you feel above others there's also the devaluation of subordinates this is the second indicator of corruption by power according to bog so the de devaluation of subordinates consists of low assessment of the capacities of subordinates and dehumanization of and lack of empathy for them stereotyping subordinates occurs um you stereotype them as being incapable of making decisions simply due to their lack of decision-making responsibility. Because of this, the person in power sees them as requiring control and paternalistic guidance. It's kind of what we talked about with uh, the, the scientific studies where as you get to a higher position, um, you start to believe that others require constant supervision and this paternalistic motivation and just because other people below you aren't put in positions where they can make decisions 
you don't even think they're capable of making decisions anymore. And this is why you think that they require constant control. And some leaders, they go off the rails thinking that they need to fully control everyone underneath them. But this may not be the case, but this is just what happens when you get into these positions of power. Third, the, the third kind of indicator for corruption by power is that some kind of a separation that occurs. And this consists of a growing inability to accept other perspectives, the selection of advisors who only support one's views. And this all leads to less sources of knowledge and eventually complete isolation. So you could bring up, there's actually a lot of psychology in this in this episode, which is interesting, but you could bring up the confirmation bias here, um, going, going along with this point of separation as an indicator for corruption by power. The confirmation bias is basically when you seek out evidence that supports your hypotheses or supports your preconceptions, and you refuse all evidence that goes against them. So for instance, if I went into this episode and I had the idea, which I did, have the idea that power corrupts individuals. And I only sought out and believed information that proved that, yep, power corrupts individuals. And I, and I totally neglected uh, any evidence that went against that. And frankly, I, there is a chance that I even did that when researching for this episode, because we're not really capable of totally suppressing confirmation bias a lot of the time. So I still may have looked for evidence that confirmed my idea that power corrupts individuals. So everyone has these biases, but all this, to say, this is just an example to point out that this confirmation bias can really become amplified when you get into these powerful positions because you start to only select team members. And, and again, again, another reference to Trump, but look how he, the Senate he selects and, and all his advisors and he just throws people away who don't, uh, believe in his ideas or don't support his ideas. And he only brings yes men around him. This is what happens when you get into power, it seems. This separation occurs and you get into your own little camp. And eventually you, you, you can't even uh, hear other perspectives, let alone select other perspectives to be around you. You can't even process what they're saying anymore. You, you get into this very narrow-minded state. This threat posed by cognitive separation was has been observed for a long time, and especially you look at the anarchist thinkers and activists during the European Revolution. In 1854, Proudhon, considered by many to be the father of anarchism, actually, I think he was the first person to declare to be an anarchist ever, and he recollected his period in the assembly as a life of hell. And in Confessions of a Revolutionary, he described in detail the mental effect of parliamentary life. He said this, he said, as soon as I set foot in the parliamentary Sinai, I ceased to be in touch with the masses. I entirely lost sight of current events. I know nothing, either of the situation of the national workshop or the policy of the government. One must have lived in that isolator, which is called the National Assembly, to realize how the men who are completely ignorant of the state of the country are almost always those who represent it. This is that aspect of separation. So he's just pointing out the irony that the ones who are supposed to lead the country and have a full understanding of the workings of it and, and the policies and all these things are the ones who are most isolated and 
are totally out of touch with what's actually happening to their citizens and to their country. So it's 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 kind of like what happens what people <laughs> at least believe happens to rich people and you you get out of touch and you become less relatable you look at even musical artists where their work becomes less and less relatable it seems as they grow in status and in fame and now what they're talking about in their songs you don't even relate to anymore and you don't connect with the artists as much as as you did in their early work when they were talking about relatable things. So you, you become separated when you get into these powerful positions. So there are so many examples of this, and this is why I wanted to really look at it because I see it in, in a lot of areas. And I just wanted to determine if, if it could, if anyone had done a conclusive analysis of if power truly does corrupt. Unfortunately, there's none of that, but these are some uh, examples and, and, at least the book points to some indicators of what it means to be corrupted by power, what it looks like. And um, I, th I think it was a, a good kind of starting point, at least on this issue. The fourth, we did mention there were four indicators of uh, corruption due to power. And the fourth one is just invisibility. So it's just that all of these above behavioral changes, self-inflation, devaluation of subordinates and isolation, they all take place outside your conscious awareness. So anyone in power who did all of these things, they don't even know that they're doing it. They don't know they're becoming more separated, more out of touch, more parochial in, in their thoughts. They don't, they don't understand that they're becoming more separated. They're only bringing in yes men, but they are doing all of that. And frankly, the fact that they don't know they're doing that is another indicator that they've been corrupted by power, that invisibility factor. Let's look to philosophy for some answers. <laughs> That's a bit of an ironic statement. You can't, philosophy is not concerned with, with providing answers for anything, really more than anything. It is questioning a lot of the time, but Rousseau did point out some ideas on corruption and power as did Machiavelli. But let's talk about Rousseau here. Uh, he says the process by which the leader becomes corrupted is mostly a process of self-inflation and personal aggrandizement. Uh, this is point one from Bog, from Bog, this, this idea of you get you get infl an inflated perspective of yourself and um, that's kind of what Rousseau thinks is the main uh, process by which leaders become corrupted. So Rousseau says that leaders slowly increase their estimation of their own importance until they eventually come to substitute the interest of the collective for their own self-interest. So first, a leader may be uh, be motivated by the collective interest and helping the people and, and doing something to change the people. You could look at Mugabe, who may have had that initial idea as, a rev as the revolutionary he was, but eventually their own self-interest totally replaces and supplants this initial collective interest that they wanted to appeal to. According to Rousseau, each of us has within us a self-interested will, as well as a notion of of the good of all or the general will. So good judgment for a leader would be if a man can find that general will and forget about the self-interested will and just go for the general will and, and 
For Rousseau, though, the privileged position results in a loss of contact with the general will, so power results in a diversion of energy away from the collective concerns and towards the psychological processes of the leader. You become more self-interested, your values start to replace the values of the collective. Frankly, you don't even understand what the values of the collective are anymore, according to Rousseau. And this is in philosophy, at least according to Rousseau, what seems to occur when you get into powerful positions, self-inflation occurs uh, and you, get, you, you, you lose the general will and you only start to focus on the self-interested will. But it's still complete it's still not conclusive about whether power corrupts there is really a lack of literature and detailed examinations to clarify the relationship between power and corruption it, i mean it may even be true that the absence of power corrupts and the absolute absence of of power corrupts absolutely totally opposite to what lord acton said you could probably point out examples of that too i could have perhaps even uh, found some things about how if you're not in powerful positions and you are a subordinate, you become corrupted. That happens all the time to, to criminals who um, would hardly be, would, would not be criminals if they just grew up in a better environment where they weren't constantly oppressed. So the, the lack of power may corrupt as well. So really, you guys, as is often the case with these types of examinations of such complex matters, Relationships between variables remain unclear, and any conclusion remains completely equivocal. Thank you guys for listening to this episode, as always. Even on these episodes where we don't even come to a conclusion, we're just trying to uh, parse out different ideas here, parse out different inconclusive ideas. Um, We're we're still trying to do the analysis, so I really thank you guys for for tuning into that and... uh, and playing with these ideas with me, even though it is a bit of a one-way conversation, I do find podcasts interesting because you kind of have a conversation in your mind with that person. And I thank you guys for having those conversations with me every week, even though <laughs> I'm not hearing uh, much back. I am hearing back from some of you guys in the uh, connect page on the website. I don't bring that up anymore in the in the episodes, but you can connect uh, on social media and uh, the connect page on the website. Also know that we're growing our community through word of mouth. So if you like this episode, just let one or two people know about it. That's all you really have to do. Uh, You can also rate, review, like, comment, subscribe, and follow. These are the digital things that uh, they do help with the discovery algorithms. But ultimately, you guys, whatever you do to support listening and watching, trust me, is always more than enough. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Insightful Thinkers podcast. We'll be back next week as always, next Monday, Um, (laughs) maybe morning, maybe night, but we will be back next Monday for more in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics. Take care, everybody. This podcast is a production of Insightful Thinkers Media.